So, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, uh, or you just want to look up on the screen, why don't you go ahead and stand, and we're going to look at Matthew 6 and also Ecclesiastes 5. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8, and Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. Matthew 6, 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Let the church say Amen. amen. Ecclesiastes 5.2 God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. We pray, Father, that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and that, that we could see him. And as we see him, Father, we want to believe on him. And as we believe on him, Father, help us to be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen? Amen. amen, amen. And amen. I want to talk for the next few moments on it don't take all that. The awesome power of short prayers. Why don't you repeat after me? It don't take all that. The awesome power of short prayers. That first passage that we read in Matthew chapter 6 is right before the Lord's Prayer. And he instructs his disciples, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They think they're going to be heard for their many words. Therefore, don't be like them. Your Father already knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Many of us think that God hears us because of our many words. Many of us think that God hears our prayers because of our eloquence. Many of us think that we have to have the right exact words to say or else, or else our prayers are not going to be answered. That couldn't be any further from the truth. Ecclesiastes 5.2 puts an exclamation point there when the writer says, God is in heaven, you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. Now, that does not mean that God is opposed to long prayers. That does not mean that you're not supposed to, to stay or tarry in prayer. That does not mean that, that extended periods of time where you pray is a bad thing. However, I believe that as we begin to pray, as we begin to seek God's face, and as we begin to, to get challenged to pray, that, that sometimes we don't have the right words to say. Sometimes we don't know how to do that. When I coach my basketball team at Restoration Academy, we open practice in prayer and we close in prayer. And this year we've got about 19 little girls and, and about 10 of the 19 are brand new. And I have the habit of asking different girls to pray each time we pray. And so this little sixth grader, Madison, we were closing in prayer yesterday. And I said, Madison, why don't you close us in prayer? And her eyes got so big. I said, heads bowed, eyes closed. And everybody's heads were bowed and everybody's eyes closed except for hers. And I knew 
But I also know what to do to help those who don't have the right words. I said, Madison, just repeat after me. Lord, Lord, thank you for this practice. Thank you for this practice. Thank you for no injuries. Thank you for no injuries. Lord, we ask that you would bless us as we depart. Bless us as we depart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 And I believe that the Lord wants to help us in our prayers. I believe that we can pray the word of God. And all we have to do is mimic what God has already said, pray. Now you may ask, Pastor Mike, what does that have to do with today's message? Well, I think that it, it gets even more difficult when you're asked to pray for others. Last week's prayer emphasis was on ourselves. The prayer of Jabez, Lord bless me indeed. The, 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 the prayer of, of, of Hezekiah, Lord extend my years. You're praying for yourself. The prayer of Habakkuk, Lord uh, we need revival. Lord revive your people. It was a me focused prayer. But what if you're called to pray for others? What if you're called to pray for others and there aren't any specific needs? It's easy to pray for somebody who's sick. You pray about their sickness. It's easy to pray about someone who is lacking. You pray about their lack. But what if you have a brother or sister who belongs to the church? They don't have a health need. They don't have a financial need. They don't have a crisis in their family. All you know is that they're saved like you are. What do you pray for them? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look at a prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians. Let's read through it. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Verse 19. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. That the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of of him who feels everything in every way. Now you might say, well, Pastor Mike, that's a whole bunch of words. Pastor Mike, you, you are contradicting yourself because you started off by saying, when you pray, don't use a whole bunch of words. And Paul has used a whole bunch of words. Well, I'd like to do in the next 20 minutes that we have is to boil down this prayer into three phrases. And I think that it maintains the integrity 
of the Word of God, and I think that it's exciting. I think that there are three things that we can pray, Brother Curry, for those who belong to the body of Christ. We can pray them for our children. We can pray them for our parents. We can pray them for our, our relatives, our brothers and sisters, and we can pray them for our co-workers. We can pray these specific prayer requests and these prayers, short prayers, for those outside the body of Christ and those inside the body of Christ. This prayer is foundational as it relates to what Paul is communicating in the book of Ephesians. Well, Pastor Mike, what is Paul communicating in the book of Ephesians? Paul is communicating to the church at Ephesus that the Christian life can be boiled down to two things. Who you are in Christ and how you should live in Him. The book can be boiled down right in half. The first three chapters deal with our wealth in Christ. The last three chapters deal with our walk in Christ. The first three chapters deal with our, our riches that we have in Christ. The last three deal with our responsibility that we have in Christ. The first three chapters deal with what we believe about Jesus Christ. The last three chapters deal with how we ought to behave in Jesus Christ. And then in chapter, chapter 1, we have this prayer, but he also has another prayer in chapter 3. This prayer in chapter 1 is all about our enlightenment, to know who we are in Jesus. The prayer in chapter 3 has to do with our empowerment to live the way he wants us to live. Well, Pastor Mike, what do we ought to be enlightened to? Well, we ought to be enlightened to verses 3 through 14. We ought to be enlightened. Because verses 3 through 14 come right before the prayer. And in verse 15 it says, for this reason. Whenever you are studying your Bible, you look for phrases like, for this reason, or the phrase, therefore. And you always ask yourself the question, what is it there for? Well, it is there because of the verses that preceded it. Now look at verse 3 in your Bibles. It may not necessarily be up on the screen. Verse 3 in your Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. It is this wonderful Trinitarian verse where you get this, the Father is mentioned. Blessed be the God and Father, there's the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and that phrase, spiritual blessing, is every blessing that comes from the Holy Spirit. So you've got blessings from the Father, blessings from the Son, and blessings from the Holy Spirit. Paul begins to unpack that, what it means, and verses 3 through 14 is this huge run-on sentence where you can't hardly find a, a period and he goes on and tells you about the blessings that you have from the Father, the blessings that you have from the Son, and the blessings that you have from the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 4 through 6. He says that in Him we have been chosen. We've been chosen, we've been adopted, and we've been accepted. Those are blessings from the Father. The Father chooses us, the Father adopts us, and the Father accepts us. And then you start in verse 7. It says, whom he redeemed, he also forgiven. 
So we've been redeemed by the Son. We've been forgiven by the Son. It goes on to say that He's revealed to us the mystery of His will. We know what His will is now, that He was to die on the cross, raise from the dead, and give us new life. We know His will. And then it goes on to say that He has given us an inheritance in Him, verses, verse 12. So you've got blessings from the Father. We've been chosen, we've been adopted, and we've been accepted. You've got blessings from the Son. We've been redeemed, we've been forgiven. He's revealed the mystery of His will, and He's given us an inheritance. And then in verses 13 and 14, there are blessings from the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, it says, in whom, after receiving uh, the word of God, the, the gospel of our salvation, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, or you've been marked with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 14, it says, this Holy Spirit, which he has been given, and depending on your translation, he's given as an earnest, he's given as a guarantee, or he's given as a down payment. So we've got blessings from the Father, blessings from the Son, blessings from the Holy Spirit. And then Paul tells the Ephesians, you know, for this reason, ever since I've heard of your faith, that faith that, that, that you have, and you know how you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, and I know about your love for all the people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, and keeping you and remembering you in my prayers. Y'all, we got to remember others in our prayers. And for those of you who don't know about intercession and praying for other people, this is just foundational. Three things you can always pray for individuals. Point number one, you can always pray, Lord, help them know you better. You can always do that. So let's kind of cut through the run-on sentence that Paul has again, because there's a whole bunch of words. If you were to boil it down, it's just one phrase. It's a short prayer. Lord, I hope that they would know you better. Look at the text. Verse 17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he might give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Look at it. So that you may know him Better. Better. He's asking God, God, give them a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation to know who we are in Jesus Christ and to know you. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. That he knows me and understands me, that I am a God who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. In this is what I delight. I delight in the man who knows me and understands me. As a matter of fact, Paul was so keen on knowing uh, Jesus Christ and knowing God and the importance of it. He says in Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 and 8, what's more, I consider everything as loss because of the surpassing value or the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. Men and women, we ought to pray, and I don't care how long you've been a Christian, you can know him better. You can know him better. 
You can get, be more intimate in, uh, with him. But the real thing that, 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 that the, the, the enemy does with us is he says, well, been there, done that. You already know that. There are new, fresh revelations every time you open up the word of God. There are new, fresh revelations every time you talk about his goodness. There are new, fresh revelations every time he allows something in your life and that has never happened before. He shows you a new aspect of himself. But here, Paul is talking specifically about who we are in Jesus. All of those blessings that he's talked about in verses 3 through verse 14. Mark this down, John 17, 3. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Men and women, you've got to spend time in order to get to know someone. Over at Birmingham Southern, one of the basketball team members, uh, I met him three years ago, and, and he had a mean mug. Say amen if you know what a mean mug is. Uh, uh, you know, there are some people who have uh, a welcome sign, a spiritual welcome sign over their face, and other people have a, a sign that says, enter at your own risk. <laughs> well, he had a sign that said, enter at your own risk. Never had a conversation with him. All we, we would fist bump and, and, and we'd say hey to one another and we'd walk. I had conversations with most of the other basketball players. I, I got to know them. I never got to know this young man the first year because he had a mean mug. It said enter at your own risk. And I wasn't going to go in unless I was invited. So his second year he got hurt. I get a call from one of the coaches. So-and-so wants to meet with you. And I didn't know what he wanted to meet about, but uh, Miss Pam, we met to have breakfast. And the first thing out of his mouth was, Pastor Mike, I think that God wants me to know him. And I thought that maybe you could tell me how I could get to know him. And for the next couple of years, we've been meeting on and off. He has since graduated this past May, and so we still stay in contact via text. Because it is his desire to get to know him better. As a matter of fact, he texted me last week and said, Hey, Pastor Mike, I'm a part of this Zoom Bible study. And I thought about inviting you. You think you could come on Monday or Tuesday nights? They do it twice. He said, You tell me which one and I'll be on too. Because it is his desire to get to know him better. And just like my, my, my uh, trepidation with, with entering into a relationship with him because I had a preconceived notion about where he was, I think some of us have a preconceived notion about God. We, we, we think that it's enter at your own risk. Maybe he's going to ask me to do something that I won't want to do. Maybe he's going to take all the joy out of my life. Maybe this, maybe that. And then once you get to know him, you discover... That he is a God who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness because he wants you to get to know him. What can you pray for first? Lord, help them know you better. Better. Point number two, I think that the next prayer we can pray, you can always pray, just a short prayer. All you have to do is whisper, Lord, know them better. But number two is simply, Lord, help them know the hope of their calling. Help them know the hope of their calling. Look at the word. Verse 18. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has been called, has, he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Notice what he says first in his prayer. Lord, I pray that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened. Lord, open up their eyes to what? In many cases, the, the, the Lord, uh, there's a veil over this hope of our calling unless we fight and go through the veil. We have to see who we are in Jesus Christ through spiritual eyes, not natural. And you have eyes in your heart. You know that you know that you know. You can't see love in the physical. But you can see love in the spiritual. Because you see that with your heart. Amen or oh me. Amen. And so he says, I pray that the eyes of their heart might be enlightened to know the hope to which he has called you. He's called you to know that you're chosen. He's called you to know that you're adopted, to know that you're accepted, to know that you're redeemed, to know that you're forgiven, to know that you know the mystery of his will, to know that you have an inheritance in Christ, to know that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. To know that you have His Holy Spirit as a guarantee of things to come. I know that I know that I know that I am not poor, as Daniel just prayed. I'm rich in Jesus. I am not down. I'm up. I am not weak. I am strong. And it's not based on me. It's based on who I am in Jesus Christ. If somebody knows what I'm saying, say amen. Amen. Listen. Got this little girl on our team this year who's a transfer student. She's never been a part of our program before. And she's in the habit, Miss Essie, of saying, well, uh, Pastor Mike, I say, well, how, how, come, sweetheart, how come you didn't shoot that shot? Well, Pastor Mike, I can't shoot. He said, well, honey, how come you stopped running during that drill? Well, uh, I just, you know, they had already beat me in the drill and I just gave up. Well, honey, how come you're, you're not dribbling anymore? You're just, you know, just kind of doing what you do. You're not doing the drill. Well, you know, Pastor Mike, I can't dribble. Had to pull her aside, put my arm around her and say, hey, you stop saying you can't. You need to stop saying you can't. Either you can or you're learning. It's only one or two options. You don't say, we don't say we can't here. And, and, and when we run, we don't give up. We don't give up. We don't give out. And we don't give in. It is a mindset. It, it is this, this, this abundance mindset that says, I have more capacity than I think I have. And we need to change the mindset of our children. We need to change the mindset of those around us. You can do more than you think you can do. You have more than you think you have. It is an abundance mindset. Pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson tells the story of this woman who went to this flea market and saw this big, gaudy ring. And she said, boy, that, that looks like costume jewelry. It's this big, huge rock. And the, the salesperson there says, hey, you, you ought to buy that rocket. rock. It might be real, just like a salesperson, right? So she bought the rock for $15, took it home, wore it all the time. People would make comments about it. Man, that is, thing is huge, you know. And, and, and so she wore it for, for a number of years. She went to a jewelry store to pick up uh, something that she had ordered. And the jewelry jeweler on the other side says, hey, uh, 
Let me see that rock. That, that looks like something I've been exposed to. She says, oh, no, I got this at the flea market for $15. She says, no, hands it over to him and then discovers it is a 26-carat diamond. Hands it back to her, and she puts it online for auction, and it sold for $850,000. She didn't know what she had. Walking around with with what she thought was a rock. (laughs) Walking around wearing it all the time, not realizing its value. She had it, but she did not realize its value. She owned it, but she did not realize its value. She had it, but she didn't appreciate it. She had it, but somebody else had to tell you what the value was. Men and women, you're going to get this in a minute. Some of us are walking around with the abundance of Jesus Christ in our lives, and we think it's just a cheap $15 gift. Some of us are walking around and don't realize the value that God has given us inside of him. Don't understand what it means to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And God says that I want you to pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which you are called the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people. Men and women, God has called us to that. And we got to fervently pray. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a whole bunch of words. You don't have to be the Apostle Paul. All you have to pray is, number one, Lord, help them know you better. All you have to pray is, number two, Lord, help them know the hope of their calling. That's it. Just one phrase. He knows the rest. Lord, help them know you better. Lord, help them know the hope of their calling. But point number three, Lord, help them know your great power. Lord, help them know your great power. Look at the text. Verses 19 and 20 says, In his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Verse 21. Verse 21 says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let me give you a hint. As Paul begins to pray, he gives you his flowery language. Let the church say amen. Amen. Don't feel obligated to use Paul's language in your own personal prayer. If you do, you can read it. But if you read between the lines and see the petitions that Paul makes for the Ephesians, you can boil it down to these three. He says, Lord, help them know you better. And it's very clear so that they may know him better. 
He says, Lord, help them to know the hope of their calling. It's real easy to see. Help them know uh, and be enlightened that they may know the hope to which he has called you. And then it's explained the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. But when it gets here, when it gets here, what Paul does is he, he begins to, he, he gets happy, y'all. He gets happy. Because you'll notice what the prayer request is. It's, it's, it's the second request from 18. It's, it's the and. It's connecting it to another request. And his incomparable great power for us who believe, period. And the rest of the verses are him explaining what that power is. He says that it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He says that it is the same power that is to come. He says that it is the same power that is is working now in the church. So he says that that power has three aspects. That power is the power that raised Jesus from the dead right now. We know that he raised him from the dead. It is done. It is, it is in the past. It is completed action. And then he says it is in the future. It is that power that is to come. And then he says it's in the present. The power that exists now in the church. What does that have to do with us? <laughs> Lord, I want you to to pray. I'm praying for my brothers and sisters. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for those whom I love. I'm praying for them that as they look on the back of their life, as they look past, help them see your great power, that you are wooing them to yourself. Even the bad things that you allowed in their life, they were drawing you closer, closer to him. They worked together for good. Lord, help them see your power in their past. Lord, help them see the power that you have in the future. Lord, you're going to save them. Lord, you're going to work it out for them. Lord, you're going to be with them. Lord, you're their Lord. And then help them see the power that you have right now. Can I, can, I, can I give you word, one word of, 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 of exhortation? Raise your hand if you got somebody who you love that's sick. Just about all of us have somebody that we love. Don't you pray no wimpy prayers. God is the one who heals, not you. So you can pray with confidence, Lord, please heal them. Lord, I, I, I confess your healing. Lord, I'm trusting your healing. And do like the three Hebrew boys. Even if you decide not to, I'm going to keep praying for it. I'm going to keep asking you for it. I'm going to keep putting it in your hands because I know your power. I know what you can do. I know. I've seen it in my past. I know it in my future. And I want to realize it right now. Let me give you another word for those that like to do Bible study. There are three Greek words here that he's using for power. I dare you to study what those are. One of them is dynamite. One of them is the word for energy or working. And then one of them is the word for authority. And men and women, God has more power than we can ever imagine. More power and, and, and wonder than we could ever uh, 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 think or, or, or hope for. 
And men and women, we got to stop selling God short. Don't you shrink back just because somebody got a diagnosis. Don't you shrink back just because there's more month at the end of your money. Don't you shrink back just because the relationship is, is, is fractured right now. God is in the business of putting things together. God is in the business of mending things. God is in the business of causing things to work for his glory. Men and women, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We've got blessings from the Father. We've got blessings from the Son. And we've got blessings from the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to pray. Lord, I pray that not only they would, but help me know you better. Lord, I, I'm not only going to pray for them that they would know the hope of, the, uh, uh, of their calling. Lord, help me know the hope of my calling. Lord, I'm not only going to pray that they would know your mighty great power, but Lord, help me know your mighty great power as well. He'll work it out for you. I don't think the gospel has failed. I just think the gospel hadn't really been tried. Men and women, we've got to try God and launch out in faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Let's pray. Father God, we love you today. And we thank you that it is not the length of our prayers that moves your hand. It is the fervency. It is the faith and it is the trust in you who hold the world in your hands. Father, I pray for someone now who has a, a, a prayer issue, either for them or someone that they love. Lord, fill their hearts with faith right now. Fill their hearts with trust right now. Fill their hearts with you right now. Because nothing, dare I say nothing, is greater than Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, won't you say amen, amen, amen. amen. and amen.